Hello, and welcome to the Client Experience Revolution. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and today is going to rock your face off. I have Elise Tager with me. She is a business coach. She works with ambitious female entrepreneurs who want to scale and just push past the income ceiling. And we've already been like green rooming it to the point where we should have been recording. But welcome, Elise, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. All that preliminary talk, I feel like we're BFFs already. So Um, I can't wait to rock and roll. (laughs) I am so excited because Elise has such a unique perspective. She really helps women who are rolling in their business, whether that be in the beginning, whether that be in the mid-stage, whether that be you've started reaching limits or not limits, excuse me, levels that you never thought possible before. And she really helps take you to the next level and feel ready and awesome and just fired up. So let's get into it. How about that? Excellent. Sounds like a plan. The first thing that when we were planning for this episode and that we had kind of talked about was when you're in the very, very beginning of your business, how can you set yourself up in the very best way for success? And one of the examples that I used of how I did not set myself up for success was that I branded too early. And so I, and it was, there was nothing wrong with the branding that I did and the website and all that stuff that I did. It was that I did not have a sense of self Mm-hmm. I did not have a sense of what I was doing in the business. And I thought in my sort of immature, ignorant way that this process would help me gain that sense of self. And so that's why I, and I spent $15,000 and I will just like put it out there because <laughs> I am shameless and I want people to know that this shit costs a lot of money and it is, you know, it's, something that when the time is right is worth it. But for me, now I'm having to reinvent things. I'm redoing my website. I'm relaunching my business because I finally achieved that clarity. Mm -hmm. Um, But talk to me about what you're seeing with your clients who are just starting out. What are some of the things that they're doing that are maybe mistakes? And then what are some of the things that they could be doing instead that would be really setting themselves up for success? You know, one of the ways that the web, the internet does a disservice to us all is we see these stories of, you know, I'm doing, did six figures, seven figures my first year and you can do it too. This sets up an expectation for the newbie. You know, that's where I should be. That's what I should be able to do. And truth be told, it takes a year to two to five before you've got a rocking business. And the first year of your business is usually throwing spaghetti against the wall. You're not really clear on your audience. You're not really clear on your offer. You're not really clear on what your expertise is in. You've got ideas. You might have passion. Women especially usually start with passion. But the rest of it's kind of fuzzy. And so that first year, it's all about, you know, experimenting to see what's going to work, what's going to resonate with your potential client base, with, you know, where you tap into your own feelings of doing a great job. You're going to try stuff that fails. You're going to try and fail, try and fail. The last thing you want to do is to lock into something. I mean, a logo or a website or whatever. You want to be flexible in the beginning so that you can 
learn as you go, you can pivot as you go. But on top of that, Raya, the other thing that I think is really important is that you have to give yourself permission to both experiment and fail. And that doesn't mean that you're going to fail as an entrepreneur. What it means is you're going to get there, but you have to go through the testing process, the experimentation before you get there. So, you know, a good, a good coach in the very beginning, first of all, if you are a new, an absolute newbie, I would suggest don't do it alone because you're going oh to get a lot of, please get a business coach. It's get a so coach. necessary. Not to toot my own horn. I'm just saying that, you know, you, you can learn a lot from someone who's going to guide you rather than have you just kind of flail. So get some direction from somewhere, you know, whether you use a coach or you go to SCAR, SCORE or the SBA or whatever, but get some direction from someone. The other thing that is really important is that you give yourself permission to be in those baby stages. This is where you are and that's all fine. So that's something that new business owners tend to hold themselves to far too high a standard. I expect that by my first year, I'll do six figures. Well, not many people do. So if you hold yourself to that standard, you're going to feel like a failure. That's bad. And you're not going to want to do the testing and the failing that you have to do in the beginning. You have to feel good about that. So it, it's a process. And the last thing you want to do is spend a ton of money. You're the last thing. And the one, the one thing that I say to all of my newbies is, if you can get it for free, get it for free. If you can get it for cheap, get it for cheap. Not cheap, oh, for but sure. I mean, don't invest money yet you know, go find a Wix site and put it together or have someone mm -hmm. put it together for you easily, cheaply. You know, it can look fabulous or a Squarespace or one of the other sites, but just don't make huge commitments until you have a real solid foundation under you. And that usually takes a year or two. So just right. know that going in. I have two recommendations there too, that number one, there's a website that I've referenced before, but it's called App. Sumo. Oh yes, I love AppSumo. So love App it. Sumo is like the Groupon of software. It, it is. is. So <laughs> it's where software that's sort of in development or that wants to raise capital will deeply discount their. They'll like compete to get on this website because they want right. to get exposure. Right. But they also want the feedback. And so if you're willing to like, I just for example, I was helping a client and he needed a CRM and there was a newer CRM called Client Joy and it's out of India. It's actually fan freaking tastic. They've got some stuff that they're still working out. But if you just need like a basic CRM, it's fantastic. And it's $49 and you get a lifetime membership. Wow. And then all of the upgrades as they build into this, you'll be able to receive those. And I'm using a different CRM, but uh, this one didn't end up working for him because he's international and he needed mm -hmm. something specific. But honestly, I was so impressed by the support and I was so impressed by like just the basics of it that I'm tempted to buy it just to hold on to it. Things like that. Go. I mean, things like that. Things yeah. like you know, very thing that I um, would say that people should not be afraid of doing is outsourcing. So like, for example, I'm building my website right now and certain parts I'm not outsourcing. Like I'm having a copywriter help me. And that's something that I needed somebody here that could really understand me, that could really translate, you know, what I'm doing. However, the website itself like I gave her more money than she asked for and I'm paying $250. 
to have her build my website in a WordPress website. And so there are ways that you can, and you know, here I am two and a half years later and I spent $15,000 on branding and a website when I could have done the same thing and had a better result. But you know how you know those things when you work with a business coach who has experience, who can tell you those things. But the and other so, thing, Raya, I want to I want to circle back to is yeah. you really need to, if you're starting a business, you need to give yourself permission to be in the experimental stages and to yes. not spend money and feel good about it. My heart weeps for the people, the, I only work with women. So the women who just feel they need to be successful out of the gate. What's inevitably going to be happening, and this, Raya, we just talked about this earlier too, is you're going to pivot. You know, when you start out thinking you're going to do, you're going to pivot. You're either going to refine or feel or find that that direction isn't your sweet spot and you're going to do a 180 or a 90 degree turn or whatever, but you're going to change your original focus. It just happens. Yes. And if you're not evolving as an entrepreneur, there's something wrong anyway. But just know that first year, you are definitely going to pivot. So again, feel good about that, but set yourself up so that you can pivot and you're not, yes. you're not you know, digging in too deeply with anything that you've invested in. Well, and don't feel like you're failing because you pivoted. Absolutely. Like, for example, we're going to use, by the way, I'm like shamelessly using Elise for free coaching on the podcast. <laughs> so we're going to use lots of my examples, right. but my business started as admin prestige and I offered in the very beginning, it was just me and I offered virtual assistant services. A lot of them were to financial advisors because I had some background in that and realtors and different people in sales who needed, you know, client engagement type support. And what I found out is that I effing hate it. Yeah. Like I actually hate doing that kind of work. And mm -hmm. so my first step was to remove myself from the actual production stage and oversee, like have other people do the work and then oversee that work and work in, you know, sort of the more higher level type work. Right. And then when I realized there were other services that I was more passionate about. So for us, we offer essentially two services. And the first is virtual assistant matchmaking, which I'm super passionate about. And Love I've gone into detail before about. And then the second is client re-engagement consulting. And I niche down hard. Like I said, <laughs> I am going to offer two services. Like this is it. And that you get a kickback from that. Like when you do niche down, you know, you're, and when you said throwing spaghetti at the wall, I mean, I would pretty much accept like anything anyone asked me to do. I would be yeah. like, yeah, I will do that. And because I felt maybe coming from a mindset of lack or, or also just exploration, like not, there was a certain amount of exploration, like, well, maybe this is something that I might want to do, you know, like, and you have to, you do have to be able to do that. But then when the minute you find out, you're like, oh yeah, no, actually, no, I don't like that, <laughs> you know, but that doesn't mean that you fail. No. It just means that you, you tried something. something and it didn't, it wasn't what you thought it was. Good. Yeah. You learned something. So right. I love that you said that. Well, Thanks. I think of, you know, and in, in that phase of deciding you wanted to niche down and or pivot dramatically, think of all the things you learned in that first year or two, right? Your online skills that you've developed, your branding skills that you developed, your communication skills. There's so many things that you will take forward that have, will serve you no matter what direction you put it in. So it's, it's not time loss 
again, we talked earlier about care, being careful about your language. It's not time lost. It's invested that you're now moving into a different direction with. Because there's so tons true. of lessons that you learned along the way, especially what you don't like. So, I mean, that's really important to know. Which I think is almost more valuable, you mm-hmm. know, like being able to exclude what you don't want and what your boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Like I am very bold now in when I do sales calls. Like I think I will, I mean, I think I will turn away or discourage more people than I than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Because I know they're not going to be happy because what they're looking for is not what I'm offering. Right. And I know that I could make it work but they're not going to be happy. And you're not going to be happy. And And I'm not going to be happy. So why? It's okay. It's okay. I'm not for everybody. They're not for everybody. And maybe the best thing I can do is help connect them with somebody who can, you know, and that's why I try to be a connector and give from that space. Like really, how can I serve this person the best? And maybe that's connecting them with somebody that can serve them better. Absolutely. And there's this, that phrase called bless and release. You know, it's okay to say no. You're not telling someone you hate them. You're giving them a blessing, blessing and saying, we're not a good fit. You know, good luck in your future. You're blessing and release them. That's a perfectly fine thing to do. I love that. Well, what would you say to those who are not in the first couple years, but have like someone like me who's moving into like three to five years and we're still in the danger zone in terms of Mm -hmm. like, you know, statistically speaking, we've built enough of a business where we now start, we're starting to better understand who we are as a business owner, who our company is and what it stands for. We have a little bit more idea around the structure that we have, but we still have so much to grow and learn, you know, I mean, we're still babies, really, I guess we're, we're moving, moving slightly into the toddler stage, like maybe we're crawling or starting to walk very awkwardly, but we're, but we're not like newborns who can't hold our heads up. You know what I mean? Like, what what recommendations would you have for us? So I think the transition you're talking about is, and you told a story and, and I hope I'm not speaking for you, but you said that once you got to your first 100K, there was the whole stalling. You just felt stalled or you felt, what? how did you feel when you hit that first 100K? Man, it, so that was in August. And I thought to myself, and, and in a lot of respects, I'm still there. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought to myself, what's next? Yeah. Like, I never thought I would get to this. Like in my whole life, I never thought that I would make this like maybe if I got a corporate job and I met like the right person who knew the right person who knew the right person, (laughs) I could maybe make 85. Yeah. You know, and then knowing that I not only did I hit six figures, but I did it on my own with my own company. Like I always used to tell people I'm risk averse, like in my own brain, I tell myself that too, which is hilarious because that is all I do every day is take risk. You know what I mean? Like, of course I'm not risk averse. I'm an entrepreneur, but I think you can get to the point where you reach a level that was previously not accessible to you mentally. You just Mm -hmm. like in a limiting belief felt Mm -hmm. like that would, was not accessible to you. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like lost. Yeah. So, okay. So 
let's talk about let me let me talk about some of the mindset issues that come up at that threshold. So you just said you hit 100k. The first thing that came up was, was oh my god, how did I get here? You know, now what? Where else do I go? What you know? What's it going to look like after this? Could I do it again? You know, this whole if you thought imposter syndrome was only for newbies, every level that you accomplish, that whole thing comes up again, which is, I don't deserve to be here. This was a fluke. You know, how could I, how could I do this again? That anything, that any lack of confidence is going to come and hit you in the head as soon as you reach a goal that you've been striving for. You don't believe it. Frequently, you don't believe it. The second thing that I want to talk about, because I have a story of my own that just was so interesting to me now that I look at it back at it. I ran a media buying agency. This is my fourth business and my first business, which got to be pretty big. I was a media buyer. So I was buying online ads for Symantec and HP and a lot of Silicon Valley folks. And I was doing really, really well. I had a staff of four or five people. I can't remember. But even with that with those employees, I still was behaving like a newbie, right? I was still behaving like a solopreneur. I was doing the work. I was still in worker bee. I was working really hard. And this is where I hired my first business coach. And I will tell you that when I hired her, she charged me, her fees were more than I ever thought I would ever spend on anything in my whole life. You know, I had to really think about it, but I realized I didn't know how to get out of the hole I was in. And I had to stop working 70 hours a week. And what was I doing, you know, doing all the work? This was nuts. I had four people. So one of the things that we identified, which are some mindset issues that surprise women, is that when they step up, when they up level, they don't know what it's going to look like. They don't know what they should be doing now that they're not doing all the things they used to do, right? So you start to build a team, you start to, your org chart grows, or org chart's too strong a word. You're getting help, you have people to do the work that you were previously doing. And now you're thinking, now what? What do I do? And that was my biggest fear was, if I'm going to be the CEO of this business, what do I do? Because I was filling 60 hours a week with worker bee stuff. So if you're going to take that away from me, or if I'm going to delegate that appropriately more more to the point, what do I do? And so it was having to grow into the role of being a leader, building a team, understanding how to motivate them, understanding how to train them. And then I was the person who was going to go out and get more business. But I had to realize, I had to have someone show me that there's a whole up-level role there that I had to grow into and embrace. And then the third thing is how you perceive yourself, the self-perception, right? If you've hit 100K, and this is just mind-blowing, what you start to do is you start to withdraw. I could never do, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I could ever do it again. This was a fluke. It's never going to happen again. Therefore, maybe I should reduce my prices. So you start to backpedal. When you reach a goal that was previously unattainable, you don't believe in yourself and you start to backpedal. So what has to happen, and this doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen easily, but you have to start growing into being the new woman, woman that's the CEO of a bigger business. 
right? And so that's not like putting on a new dress. It's you've got to go through a lot of evolution, mindset shifts, giving yourself permission to be that bigger, better, more woman. It's a lot that happens there. It's not just about the money. In fact, it's frequently not about the money. It's self-perception and how you see yourself. Oh, yeah. And I think there's this internal battle, I know for myself, where I have this, like, there's an example that just came up this week that I'll just put out there. But I have this internal battle between starting to know what that should look like. Like I had a meeting with my ops manager and I said to her, look, I want you to look at my calendar and what it is that I'm doing. And so we looked at it together and I said, what my calendar should look like is 100% sales and networking meetings. Exactly, exactly. 100% sales and networking meetings. I said, I should only be out in the public serving people because for me, networking is like, how can I connect other people to other people? Like not trying to find business. But then when opportunities come along that they are interested in, then having like discovery call or strategy call or whatever. So that's what I should be doing. And then the other thing I was going to say is this internal battle is like the battle between like the confidence that I'm feeling where it's like, I call it like the fuck it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) why not? What do I lose? You know what I mean? Like, why not? Let's just do it. And then the, the mindset, you know, the limiting beliefs of like, you know, like, why would you think you could even have permission to do that? So what happened this week was, and it will air in January, but the website that I use for, and I'm totally okay for spoiler alerts because this was amazing. And you guys need to know that (laughs) these types of things are possible. So the website that I use for my virtual assistant matchmaking, which I always tell people is awesome. If you want to do it yourself, by all means, it's super overwhelming. We rock the house short, but you can do it yourself if you want to. It's called onlinejobs.ph. And it is like the indeed.com of the Philippines. It is amazing. I love that website so much. And so one day I just thought to myself, one day this this last week, I just thought to myself, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to email them and see if they want to be on, if the CEO wants to be on the podcast, because what do I have to lose? What are they going to say? So the only email was support at onlinejobs.ph. So I emailed, I said, hey, this is what I do you know, this is my company. This is what we do. We do VA matchmaking. We use like exclusively use your website because we find it to have the most value. I have a podcast. I'd love to feature you on there just to help people, not only help people understand your product, your website, but also really highlight the talent and help people understand that it's okay. And it's not only okay, but it's amazing to outsource the Philippines because I have, this is something I'm very passionate about. And within, I shit you not, I shit you not. It was less than three hours. I got an email from the CEO directly that said, Hmm, this sounds great. What's your schedule look like? (laughs) And I was like, I just sat back and I was like, did that just happen? Yeah. (laughs) Like what? Yeah. What? And then, so then I responded and I was like, well, why don't we record in like the first of December? Like, you know, like, you know, trying to be respectful. He's like, oh, I think next week sounds good. And I'm like, (laughs) what is going on? (laughs) So Raya, so that's, that's one aspect. And then you said there's a, there's a 
dichotomy. So what's the other aspect that you're fighting? The, 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 The dichotomy is that like you, you feel like, I think if I hadn't have had that moment, I mean, like I actually said to myself, like I, I believe in somewhat of manifestation. Mm-hmm. I had said to a girlfriend of mine, like a month or a couple months ago, like I have this connection with this website and the CEO, because he does a lot of like videos and things. And I said, I feel very aligned with his values and the way that he highlights Filipino people and outsourcing to the Philippines. And I said, I see some type of like collaboration with this guy. And all the way up until this point, I've never, it's never even occurred to me to just like reach out mm-hmm. because I never like gave myself permission mm-hmm. to, to like, e- like, who am I to like reach out to even just to, even to just little old support at onlinejobs.ph. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they could have not even forwarded it to him, you know what I mean? Or whatever. And it's just like, I, I think it's like, We have to give ourselves the, you know, there's a lot of people like we're big Seahawks fans by Seahawks fans. I mean, I don't do the sports ball thing, but because it's Seattle and the Seahawks are a good team or whatever, like you have to be in the Seahawks. But Russell Wilson is the quarterback and he says like that his thing was, why not me? Mm -hmm. Like, why Mm -hmm. not me? Why wouldn't I be able to succeed? And he was very famous for being so young and coming up in the ranks very quickly. And that was his like mantra. And so I have to take that on sometimes for myself and say like, why not me? Like somebody else can do it. So why not me? But I have to rah-rah myself Mm -hmm. because sometimes I won't do it. Right. So two things that are exactly addressing the example you just gave. One is that, and I took this, I talk about this all the time on my, I do Facebook lives every uh, week. And one of the things that I talk about a lot is the difference between solopreneur think and CEO think. And when you're in solopreneur think, which means, you know, the first year of your business or maybe even more, your head is down. You're focusing on your to-do list. You're fucking on focusing on all the things that you have to get done. What happens when you start elevating to CEO think, you lift your eyes to the horizon, you know, how can I grow? That is, as you said, about looking at your calendar. Am I doing the things that are going to lead to growth? So your perspective elevates to a higher level. What can I do to grow? How can I connect with people who are going to bring me forward? You have to get out of that to-do list so that, and the work will be mode so that you can be the CEO. The other thing I wanted to say, and it's exactly, Raya, you are it's a perfect example of this, is or what the story was that you told me, is that you have to start seeing examples of where you can succeed in that elevated mode, right? And the more you see success, the more examples you have of where you've taken a risk, you've reached outside your comfort zone and you found it worked, the easier it is to do it again, right? It's that first 20 times or five times or whatever, where you can't even imagine, right? Sending that email and it gets easier and easier because you've seen that you did it. You didn't die. You know, the worst that could happen is they say, no, thank you, or they don't answer. And you get stronger about doing it again. So the mindset around imposter syndrome, which we all feel, who am I, right? You just said that. Who am I? In my opinion, that never goes away, really, right? A bigger level is a bigger devil. You've heard that phrase. So the bigger you get, the more revenue you bring in, your your difficulties just get different. But the imposter syndrome 
doesn't go away, but you get a whole bag of tools for how to deal with it. You get more solid in how to deal with it. And that voice, that imposter syndrome voice, gets quieter and quieter and quieter as you've gained confidence in your ability to overcome that feeling of a lack of self-confidence or imposter syndrome. So that, Raya, was a perfect example of how that's going to fuel you to the next opportunity to grow your business because you did it and you'll do it again. Yeah, I, it was is something that like was very affirming for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think the question that I had for you was sometimes you can't imagine like that was a very specific example that came to me that I like, like an idea that had come to me a couple months ago about that. I, you know, kind of manifested or whatever, but sometimes when you're in this place like me, where you've made your first six figures and you're in a new, like sort of wandering, I call it the like lost phase. Like, you know, you're not quite sure what's next. Mm-hmm. And you might feel afraid or you might feel lost or you, or you can't really visualize yeah. what you, what the next you is going to look like mm-hmm. or what, or even like the structure of your business, like how you're going to pivot and continue and build and scale your business. What advice would you have for me and for other people in that situation who don't really know what's next? And so it's like, there is an exciting anticipation to that. But then for people who are of the more nervous, let's call it nervous, you know, type of person, there's an anxiety around that. Like just saying like, what, what is next? And like, how do you move past that to move into your power into saying like, look, I already did this, already did this. So I know it's possible And it doesn't, maybe it doesn't really matter what the next steps are. You just have to keep doing it. But what do you, what do you tell people in that stage? What I think is really important is that you stay surrounded by people who are a little bit ahead of you. So, and whether that's a coach Mm, and or a mastermind group and or a group of, you know, other women entrepreneurs who are a little ahead of you, it's like playing tennis. You know, you always want to play tennis with someone who's better than you are so that you're improving. So you want to be surrounding yourself with people who are farther ahead in their business than you are, so you can learn from them and just suck in their, you know, suck it in because they are going to be giving off energy that's very positive and forward moving and will help you brainstorm what next steps are for you. And then again, back to, you know, being a self-promoter here, using a business coach helps, you know, so that you are getting some feedback on what could this look like? Let's design what it's going to look like. Because the thing is, you have to design, you have to design every step of your business. There's no template out there, right? It's all your design. How much do you want to work a week? How much do you want to work a month? You know, what kind of clients do you want to work with? How big do you want to get? So getting some help in defining those next steps makes it easier than trying to do it alone. I think the thing that's the hardest thing for any solopreneur, and by solopreneur, I mean either solopreneur, one woman band, or someone who's working and acting as if she's the solopreneur, is that you're alone. And that you don't, the only thing you have going is what's rattling around or inside your own head. You know, the phrase I use, and that we talked about earlier, is what got you here won't get you there. You've got to have outside stimulus 
to be able to see what could be next. What would that look like? What would the next step be? And then I really think that surrounding yourself with a group of other entrepreneurs who are further ahead and who are willing to mastermind with you, willing to grow, help you grow and grow with you, makes such a difference. So those are two pieces of advice I get. I love that. And I, from your website too, there's one of the tips and tricks or, you know, one of the things that you do with people that I'd love to expand on is developing and maintaining systems to streamline processes to prepare for your next big growth spurt. Let's chat like a little bit about that. Just a little bit. Uh, That's great. This is the most unsexy aspect of business. I mean, as soon as you start to talk about systems. Bring on the unsexy. It's okay. Okay. (laughs) But as soon as you start to talk about systems, People shut down, right? Because it's not glitzy, it's not pretty, it's not glamorous. It's like, oh God, you know, I've got to follow some rules here. I've got to do some structure. The thing is, the more systemization you can bring into your business, the less you have to think about the grunt work that'll allow you, free you up to be doing that exploratory CEO thinking that you need to be doing. So things like, you know, if you are, here's an example, right? Right here with the podcast. If you're a podcaster, can you do five or three to five sessions in a day and get the next five done so that you can clear your desk and your brain for what has to come next? Can you do that with any of your content creation? Can you create as you're growing, you know, can you create onboarding job descriptions and onboarding procedures and training procedures that you can then document once via Loom, maybe where you're using a video. Oh my and gosh, so, I'm such a like obsessive user of Loom. Right, like so that you're, you're, you're documenting a training or uh, a new hire process. You do it once and you don't have to do it again. So that's the kind of thing where you're thinking about systems that can be put in place once. It does take time up front. You may resent the time it takes, but the time it gives you back to be the CEO is amazing. The other thing that I really, really, really want anybody who's in my universe to do is to have a CEO slot on their calendar, a CEO time block. And so what happens in that CEO time, whether it's, I do this every Friday morning or yeah, Friday from nine until noon, you do things like you track your key performance indicators. How have you done this last month? You know, how many networking events did you go to last week? Maybe you do this once a week and once a month, but you want to make sure that you know how you're doing, not just in a, a dollars and cents standpoint. You certainly do want to be aware of your PL, but the purpose of the CEO time block is to allow you to start looking over the horizon and saying, where can I do more? Where can I do better? Where can I, where can we grow? What can I put, what stakes can I put in the ground for the, for the next quarter and the quarter after that and the quarter after that? Unless you allow yourself the time, no, unless you create the time to have this happen, it's not gonna. And so the systemization called CEO time is something that every entrepreneur needs, whether you're in the baby stages or you've been in business for years. You've got to make sure that you are carving out and protecting the time to be the CEO. So I recommend for people to have at least some time once a week where they're being for CEO time. I recommend that once a month 
they take a good look at their PL and all those, those dollars and cents and those things. And then once a quarter, if you can do this, get outside your office or away from your desk, go in a hotel, go to a hotel, go to a library, go somewhere and really do some long range planning and put stakes in the ground. By Q1, I'm going to start a podcast. I want the first one to be launching March 1st. What do I have to do in, in my planning to get there? And that's how you establish your Q1 goals. Start setting yourself up for what's next so that you can see success there. If you're just flying blind or by the seat of your pants, you'll never get anywhere. So the CEO time, create it, protect it, put those blocks on your calendar and make them happen. Really important system. I love that so much. And for me, I think I'm really good at, I mean, I I have not done that. However, I think I am good about creating time. I'm not good about respecting and and creating the boundaries. I know that about myself. And so that's something that I have worked on significantly where there used to be times where I would reschedule certain things because one would be like a revenue generating type activity mm-hmm. that came into like last minute, like from a, like I have a side business type thing that I do that's administrative. Mm-hmm. I, I do loan signing. So like a loan signing would come in and I would re, like reschedule a networking meeting that I might have. And I've started really making sacred commitments with my Mm -hmm. schedule. Like, no, like I told the person this, even if they're totally fine with it and it actually works better for them. You know what I mean? Like, no, unless it has something to do with COVID has changed everything, obviously, because, you know, I have like a child at home doing online school. And so there are times where I have to be a bit more flexible and I have to move things. But other than that, if it's for any other reason, I have to maintain my schedule in a sacred way. I love this idea of having CEO time and then really maintaining it as sacred time, you know, like having it be something that is, it also enforces for myself that I am the CEO of my company. Absolutely. absolutely. So it does all of those things where it, you know, benefits my company because I'm staying on top of all of those things, but it also tells myself, no, you are the CEO of this company. So you sitting down with your VA, with your calendar and saying, let's look at what I'm doing versus what I should be doing. That is absolutely brilliant. Because if you take a look at that, one of the things I usually ask my clients to do in the very beginning is a time audit. You know, for the next week, log in every hour on the hour. What have you done with the last hour? And then let's take a look at that. You know, how much time have you spent on social media trolling on Facebook? How much time were you actually in networking events? How much time were you spending prospecting? And let's look at that with a really sharp, you know, a really fine lens. So we know, are you spending your time where you should be spending your time? And again, there's no blame there. It's just, information. How can you then adjust it? And the same, Raya, if you say that you are having trouble staying true to the time blocks that you established, you do have to give yourself grace so that if something comes up that you can't possibly change, make sure you schedule it for a different time next time, or you move that two hours somewhere else in the week so you don't lose it, you know, because you don't want to lose it. Well, and I've done that. So two things that two strategies that I've found that are working better for me 
Number one, I am not a morning person. And so I'm trying very, very hard not to schedule things in the morning that are very early because I know that those are most likely to get moved. Not only am I not like, I, I may miss it because I may accidentally oversleep, but then also I'm not mentally present. I'm, Absolutely. I'm, I'm just not there. You know what I mean? Like I'm yep. not giving my best. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is because I like to talk, I don't know if you've noticed, <laughs> I create buffer time in my schedule. And so the Very buffer cool. time works in two ways. And so be- between like on um, before and after each appointment, I put an hour of time. It allows me the ability to go over if I want to like to continue a conversation that I'm really enjoying. Mm-hmm. But it also gives me that I had before I was having a problem with seeing blank spaces on my schedule and filling them. And so it also tricks my eyes to say, oh, you don't have time there. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. yeah. That so makes I will sense. put an actual appointment on yeah. the calendar that's in purple that's buffer it's time. called a buffer appointment and I will do it around each actual appointment. And so my calendar will be totally full from the, to the gills from beginning to end. But the buffer is really is either like I need to get from point A to point B with like with travel or I'm giving myself space to continue a conversation that I may want to continue or I need to take a nap. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever it might be, but it's just, and and then it also acts as a way of me looking at the calendar and saying, oh, I don't have space there. Mm -hmm. I don't need to fill that space with something. And that's, that's great. That's knowing yourself. If you're trying to work against your biological clock, you're destined to fail, you know, because you don't want to get up early. And if you've scheduled an appointment for eight o'clock, you're most likely to blow it off or skip it or sleep late. Why do that? You know, schedule those important appointments or coaching calls or whatever for when you are on point so that you aren't going to go through this game playing that you do with yourself about, you know, oh, I should be there. I don't want to be there. So that's smart. That's really smart. I love the buffer idea. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I, it has helped me significantly. And also it makes my schedule look really pretty because there's purple in there. <laughs> all that purple. Um, that's so great. that's always nice too. I do color code my schedule. So that helps me as well. So different types of appointments have different colors. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that at a glance, I can kind of say, okay, I have X number of sales meetings. So this great. CEO time would be very easy for me to go and just count. You know what I mean? Because the all of the appointments are color coded. Yep. So I'm loving like everything that's coming out of your mouth. Like please <laughs> never stop. But I do, I do want to say that I think that there is an interesting phase that we move to as we scale. And I think that it can be very, very exciting if we allow it to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that the modern day mentor, like we used to have people who would invest time into the younger generation. And we just don't necessarily, maybe it's because we are such a busy generation or whatever. I just don't see a lot of people just like for free wanting to pour into their time into a younger generation. So investing in a business coach or getting into a group program or doing something where there's accountability and structure is so Mm -hmm. important. And also like not to discount the, the small business administration has an enormous amount. So if you can't afford 
to invest yet in a business coach while you're waiting to be able to afford, because you should when you can, please check out the Small Business Administration because they do have mentors available for free that will help you. And I did actually... That was the first time that I actually thought about scaling and adding employees because I kind of accidentally fell into being in business, which is a whole nother story. And then Mm -hmm. I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. So I contacted SCORE, which is a portion of the SBA. I met with this gentleman and he said, you don't need... Because I was just thinking that I would log 40 hours of administrative work for a couple clients and that would be my business. Mm-hmm. That's really what I thought. And when I th- think about that now, I think how ridiculous that is. But <laughs> And he's like, you don't need four more clients. You need 40 more clients. Yeah. And I said, but you don't understand. They're not hiring me because of what I can do. They're hiring me because I'm me, because I have this knowledge, because I used to do what they do and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, Raya, you make... 40 more Raya's. You share that knowledge with someone else. Yes, right. You you scale this. And he's like, he goes, what you're doing is extremely scalable. And I never, I never thought about that. And these They're are the things the that working with yeah. a mentor does is yes. is bring ideas to your mind that you maybe couldn't have thought of, but they're seeing it from an outside perspective. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So before we wrap, there's always two questions that I ask every guest. And the first question, which I'm totally stoked to to ask you this question, (laughs) but we've covered so much goody stuff that I could literally sit and talk with you forever. But like (laughs) if someone was to take away from this episode, just one thing, and they could only take away one thing from this episode, what would be the thing that you would want them to have deep down in their soul that they knew from this chat that we've had? I'm thinking, you know, one of my taglines or one of the things I say all the time is baby steps. And I think whether in your first year of business or your third or your fifth, keep moving forward. As you say, get out of the bed and put your feet on the floor. Keep keeping moving forward is more important than achieving big goals because the forward movement builds up momentum. And you, if you would log in that momentum every single day, even if it's a little bitty baby steps, you get to the big goals, achieving the big goals. So don't be afraid to take baby steps as long as you're moving forward. I think that would be my overall. I love that. I always say that when I first started this journey, I was petrified because again, risk averse. So Mm -hmm. this like felt, but I was more petrified. I had been let go from a position. So I was more afraid of going back out into corporate America or into healthcare where I'd been working and applying for another job and being rejected. So I was like, okay, well, this is the option. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And I remember standing, my client had this like fantastic view of the city and it was nighttime. I had been working way too late. And I just remember standing, looking out on this, spectacular city view and hearing the small, small voice say to me, all you have to do is stay, (laughs) just stay. Like that's all you have to do. And so like that has been on the hardest of days when I really feel like, you know, like imposter syndrome is like biting at my heels Mm -hmm. and like all of the, everything 
like even today, you know what I mean? Like even in this moment, like all I have to do is stay in the game and yep. I've already won, yes. you yes, know? Absolutely. So I love absolutely. that. Like the baby steps and the forward momentum, just like literally put one foot in front of the other foot yep. in front of the other foot. You'll m- hit all of those milestones and all of those goals. If you just stay, mm-hmm. I love that. Very true. And then my next, question, which is my very, very favorite question, because everyone has such a different perspective and comes from such a different place in life. And, you know, like I have guests from all over the world and, you know, I just love hearing these different things, but what piece of advice, whether it it does not have to have to do with this topic at all, but what piece of advice or thing that you've read or just thing that has stuck with you has had the most impact in your life? So what advice has really, really just done it for you? Be of service, be of service, be of service. Oh, yes. I love that. So in business, as you're, as I have been growing my business, and I, this, as I said, this is my, right now, this is my fourth business. I've been coaching for, I think, four or five years now. I can't remember. I am, anything I'm doing is to help whoever's on the other end of the phone or the other end of the email, whether they're paying me or not. I am there to provide value to help them get to what's next for them. And the more I do that, the more I am of service, the more it comes back at me. So it's like the foundation of my ethics, you know, is just to always be of service. It's the foundation of mine too. Probably why we get along so well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Elise, this is for us is not the end of our conversations because we are now like besties forever. Absolutely. Um, But where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you if they're interested in working with you or just following you on social media where can people find you? So Raya, you have, you're going to have show notes to go yes. to. Yes. Okay. So Absolutely. I'm putting my, my website there. I'm putting my Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn links there. I have a wonderful download that I think helps everybody, which is, has to do with getting from chaos to clarity. What are the five mindset issues you need to do to conquer your growth? That's a download that I'd love to have everybody take a look with because again, whether in your first year or your fifth year, these are all important. So that's where. Okay. Awesome. Do you have one social media platform that you favor over others? I'm on Facebook all the time. Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm starting to hop over to LinkedIn a lot. So either one. Okay. Perfect. Well, this has been probably one of my favorite episodes. I say that about about many, but really, truly, I mean, I just feel like you really fed into my soul today. Oh, you're I, I've just really, really enjoyed it. But this has been a beautiful episode of the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez. I thank you as the audience for joining Elise and I today in this adventure. And I hope that you will join us next time as we keep growing forward. Please don't forget to find us on the Facebook in the Client Experience Revolution podcast group. Join us. We have a lot of fun in there. And we thank you for coming along with us on this journey. Have a great day, guys.